I hope you heard the first hour because we talked about reason to be of good cheer, even as the lies multiply. You know, there are things we can do. We can be uh, at least aware of what a scam and how rigged the financial system is and how unbelievably either bad at forecasting or evil the people who are running it. But we do not need to cede to fear or to convince ourselves that we have no options. We do. Zach Abraham joins us. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. My brother, my friend, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management. Awesome. I love, I look forward to Friday discussions with Zach. Zach Abraham. Welcome to the program, my friend. I hope you had a uh, blessed weekend with family. Mine was nuts. I got. I don't think I've told you yet about the... Uh, the California meeting. Wow. Wow. The technocrats have a big problem on their hands. So as our mutual friend Dory Monson would say, that was all just mere prelude. Uh, welcome to the program, Zach. Hey, good to be here as always. I really look forward to these days, man. I enjoy our chats. Yeah, me too. I, I I do look forward to them all week. And it's more and more often and more and more regular now that people uh, ask me questions about you. Because you said years ago, people would say, what's Todd Herman really like? And you would tell them, oh, well, behind the scenes, uh, he's an absolute jackass and uh, very, very rude and, and thinks highly of himself. And then that what you said? No, not at all. <laughs> No, I know actually, you. yeah, actually the words that I said were, uh, what you hear is what you get that Todd is authentic to a fault. Uh, <laughs> meaning that, um, uh, you, you don't have to wonder what he's really thinking. He's going to let you know. Uh, yeah, no, man. I've always just said that you're, you're as authentic as they come to, to hear your show is to know you. And the same with you. Uh, and this is what I get now from people to ask me, uh, you know, is Zach really that way? Yes, that's that's Zach. That, that's the guy you um, you hear every Friday. So let me just start off with this, because you have been warning us about this inflationary environment for, for years. You've been very I mean, man, you've been obsessive about it. And again, Zach, this is going to go to this constant cognitive dissonance, this struggle I have where I have difficulty believing that Janet Yellen is stupid. And, and yet we live in an area of uh, an era of mass formation psychoses and people will bend their beliefs to fit their emotions and they want power. So they'll speak the words of the power makers. Uh, Yellen is of course a power maker, but not the power maker. So Janet Yellen was on uh, with Wolf Blitzer and they got to talking about the reality of inflation. And first of all, I think I should give credit um, to, 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 to Wolf for even asking this question. Um, and even and Yellen, uh, even, you know, being willing to, to answer this question, I guess she had to, I mean, she could just, you know, not do it. 
Um, but I just ripped this sound. So this, this may not come across as, as smooth as it would like to sound. But here's what I'm looking for, Zach, in today's program. I'm looking for us to find the good news in this. I mean, certainly, you know, biblically, we understand God is in charge, et cetera. All this stuff is foreseeable. We know those things. Um, but I'm also wanting us to, to talk about the things we can control. So here's Janet Yellen and Wolfie Blitzer um, in this clip. But it wasn't just the president who got it wrong a year or so ago. I want to play for you what you said about inflation last year. Listen to this. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk, and I think it's manageable. <laughs> I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Did that contribute to the problems we're all seeing right now? Well, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time didn't fully understand. <laughs> can you de-gibberish that for us to the degree that it can be de-gibberished? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I think... It, it very much reminds me of Ben Bernanke in early 2006 saying that the, the problems in subprime are contained. He said that in a congressional hearing. Uh, we've long said, Todd, that it, it really, one of the most frustrating things about doing my job is the weight that the head of the Fed and the head of the Treasury have and how everybody adheres to what they say like gospel. And yet at the same time, these people have the worst forecasting record in history. Uh, it, it, you don't think you're, you're going to literally create $7 trillion out of thin air and dump it into the economy over the course of eight months. And you don't think that inflation is going to be a problem. Um, I, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And, and, and that's one of, like you said, we've been obsessed about it for years. That's completely accurate. And the reason we have been obsessed about it for years is the, 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 the propulsion behind this entire economy and this entire market has been, to use your word, conjured money. And that game can go on. And we've again been saying this for years, that game can go on until inflation shows up. Once inflation shows up, you are out of bullets. It is game over. And because the Fed can't do anything other to fight inflation other than to raise interest rates. And if you raise interest rates from where they were, which is 4,000 year lows, right? The lowest interest rates in human, in recorded human history. When you have interest rates that low, you are going to have, you are essentially incentivizing people to stack up record amounts of debt. So when you begin to raise interest rates to fight inflation, you will roll the, you're going to roll the entire economy. And, um, as far as decoding her gibberish, it, it, it's just more of if you hear the Fed coming out, making a prognostication about what's going to happen in the near future, it, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to be right to just play the opposite, right? Just bet the other side. And this is another, this is a classic example of that. And uh, she's just backpedaling. I mean, 
The other thing that you have to understand is that these people work off of uh, uh, models, right? Todd, you, you, you know these same people from the tech world, right? It, it's the same basic concept. It, they work off their model. They trust their model inherently. And uh, almost very little wisdom, very little foresight. Well, our models suggest, our models suggest, and the models are always wrong because you can't model human behavior. And, um, you know, this is just, I, I, I honestly feel like this is yet another example of the king, you know, admitting that he wears no clothes. And yet these are supposed to be the economic shaman that have all the answers and, every, you know, every prescription to fix every ill in the economy. And um, they're just a king without clothes. And to me, it always goes back to uh, an analysis of, is it chaos? Okay, so this is where my head is at. And I had this conversation this weekend. I, I really, I angered a doctor. Um, I was in an event in California and, and a very wealthy man's house. And he is going to destroy junk science. And, and if anyone can do it, he can do it. I was so honored to be in this group and, and I was so glad to see there were people who believe in God there. And in fact, uh, and people in, in fact, witnessing in this environment, Zach, and this is in the hills above Santa Cruz. I was, I was just utterly honored to be there. Um, and I was talking to a doctor who is very concerned about the response to COVID. Um, but he heard me saying that no one ever got sick. And I had to say, no, 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 doctor, I'm not saying that. But I was pointing out that it's not chaos when it all goes in the same direction. When it's all hiding the deaths or hiding who dies, not hiding the deaths, but trying to make them look bigger, all saying the same thing, that the, all, the, all the mitigation techniques work. Everybody's at risk. This is, there are no immune systems. It is all, 100% of it is to make it look worse. 100% of it is to make sure that you don't do anything but get the injection. So they attack all the, the early treatments, et cetera. They, they punish doctors for even recommending non-controversial drugs. It's all the same. So in, in the financial chicanery of these people, it's all the same. It's always more spending. It's always more control. It's always kick the can down the road. Now, I understand the incentive to not want to be the ones to raise interest rates because now you are going to put your, your, your figurehead, Biden, at risk. I get that. But is it as simple as they're bad forecasters, um, there's groupthink, um, or, or, is, or is Yellen, do Yellen's people get rich off of inflation um, the way they get rich off of everything else? I, so I think that's a great question. I don't think that they get rich necessarily off of inflation, but I think they get rich off of doing the things that have caused inflation. Meaning, you know, the Fed wants to present itself. Now, Yellen is a part of the Treasury now, um, which, I mean, you know, it's not the same as the Fed. It's different, but I mean, they're very much in bed together. I, it's, it's, you know, it's arguing about, you know, it's, it's saying that the fingers are different than the hand, right? They're, they're inextricably part of the same, same apparatus. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's a little more nuanced than them doing the things that get them rich. I think that they're constantly doing the things that will keep them in power, right? Keep okay. them, uh, you know, keep, keep them politically connected. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of where, I think that's where we're at right now as far as, you know, I think the Fed's response to COVID in particular 
was as much about addressing the issues of COVID, the economic problems of COVID. And it was, it, it was as much about that as it was, you know, in the early days when it was just Trump, when they were, when they were doing these actions, I, I think that the, I think that they overshot, but I think that the actions in some way were justifiable because the government, in my opinion, took the completely ridiculous steps shutting down the entire economy. And in a way, that required the Fed to respond with an equally ridiculous amount of stimulus, right? Because it, it, in my opinion, the Fed kind of did the right thing in that moment because of the ridiculous decisions of government, right? But let's remember but when something. You see that- but let's remember something. Sorry to interrupt you, but let's remember something. BlackRock wanted that money conjured before the lockdowns. Yes. Right? They had said, let's conjure this $360 billion. And then when they decided to start talking about coronavirus, because Zach, I'm here to tell you that stuff existed a year before they started talking about it. And they decided to take China's word for things. And BlackRock said, ooh, ooh, remember that money we wanted to conjure? Let's conjure it now. So I'm sorry to interrupt. I mean, I think your overall point is exactly right. Um, but it goes back to, they already had that locked and loaded. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and furthermore, you could go, the, the other part of that argument is you go to the other side, which is the government never would have taken the actions they took unless they knew that the Fed was going to print a giant pile of money and fill in the gap. So, so that's kind of my point of about getting to, it's the between the fingers and the, and the palm, you know, it, it's all part of the hand. It's all doing this, you know, it's, it's all working according to the same purpose. And, uh, and you're right. It, it is very bizarre. Uh, now I'm looking at this through the lens of my, you know, my financial lens. Right. Um, it really is, it really is incredible how they had, they, how they had all these things on deck ready to roll, right. Even before anybody knew what COVID was. Um, so no, it, it, it's, it's, it, it really is. It, it, it's about them staying next to power. It's about them doing things that support asset prices, regardless of the impact. I mean, Todd, just think, think about think about that statement that we didn't know inflation was going to be a problem. You, okay? You've known they for a decade. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it was only a matter of time. Why was it only a matter of time? Because like we've been saying, it, it's, it's, we all know this in our real life, right? Which is, if we do, if we engage in a practice, if we let our children engage in a practice that is not healthy over the long term, but we do not intervene, what are they going to do? They're going to continue engaging in that practice until natural consequences run their course, right? Until natural consequences smack them down. The same is true in the, in the financial industry. When you get a financial system addicted to low interest rates, you will be required to continue keeping interest rates artificially low and pumping money into the system until natural consequences take that out of your hands. What are, and, and, and because it's easy, it's easy, right? When we don't have to do what's right for the economy and we can just print money out of thin air and create the reality that we want to see, you don't have to engage in the practices that actually create a healthy economy. Right. You don't have to lift weights to get strong. And so, so you, there is no turning back from that until inflation takes that ability out of your hands. And that's why we've been saying for years, look, this will end in inflation. It's the Fed's balance sheet, you know, again, for her to say, U.S. GDP going into 2008, we had 
65% debt to GDP. We now have 150% debt to GDP. Just 17, 16 years later, 15 years later. Um, the Fed's balance sheet prior to the great financial crisis was at 800 billion. It's now at 7 billion. When you take just those two things into consideration, right? The Fed's balance sheet growing more than uh, right around 8x over the course of a decade. The uh, U.S. debt to GDP going from 65% to 150%. My question to Janet Yellen would be, how does that not result in inflation at some point? I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I once explained, right? yeah, I want you to know that you gave me a nosebleed just now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, no, I'm, I'm sitting right, what's that? Oh, it's blood. Um, and, and sorry to gross everybody out, but uh, I, I, this stuff's so frustrating. And I want us to get, I want us to turn the corner eventually here, like in three minutes on the part where the Bible tells us to be of good cheer. And it, look, that, that's, that's global. It's not financial. I've told you these things so that in you, um, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Um, John 16, 33, my friend Barbara reminded me of that last night in our prayer group. So I, I want to be of good cheer and I want to remember that we have these controls. There are things we can do and I, I want to pivot to that um, in a second here. But I, I try to explain this to people this way that, that to, to make economics you know easier to understand. I've tried to explain this to my daughter that um, let's, you know, there's, there's going to be a video game everybody wants or a toy. It's easier with physical goods. Um, there was a time when all these kids wanted this specific toy and man, kids would rush in to get that toy and they'd stand in line to get that toy and they would wait overnight to get that toy and parents would fight uh, to get their kids that toy. And then, then manufacturers say, oh man, uh, kids need these toys. They love these toys and they would produce, you know, way too many of these toys. And then all of a sudden they're in the discount bin. And no one wants the toys. And, and now they're sad toys. You, you, you go into the store and man, those toys are sad. Those are, they're, now they're, uh, hey, can we give you a toy? No, I don't want it. No, no, we're giving it to you. No, I don't, I don't want it. I, we've got all the toys. That, that, that is predicting human behavior is going to continue and they rush into that. Now those things are useless. And this is what I've tried to bring about to people that look, when money is wildly available, people will do the craziest things with it. Like when you have 500 of these toys you used to value, but now you've got 500 and they're filling up your house. Hey, let's go burn the toys. Let's do a video where we flush the toys down the toilet. Uh, let's, let's, you know, let's throw the toys off of, off of uh, five story buildings or whatever, right? That they no longer have any worth yeah. to you. Uh, isn't that what happens with these financial, you know, power brokers when they have 0% interest rates, um, there's no risk. They don't care, right? There, there's, there's literally no risk for them. Yeah, well, yeah, because they're, 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 their cost of capital is essentially zero, right? So it costs them nothing. And you saw this dynamic play out. And then this is the, you know, people look at it, oh, it makes the stock market go up. Here's the pernicious part of it. If we think back to the financial crisis, what, what is the only bet, like, Recession has become like a dirty word, right? Where recession is a normal part of a cycle. You, you have a growth cycle and you have a recessionary cycle. And just like, you know, you have a, uh, you know, just like in forests, right? You have a growing season, you have a burning season. Part of the natural health of the cycle. At some point, like with so many other things in our culture, we decided that all we want is the good. All we want is the economic growth. 
and the enemy is recession. Um, and so we basically, with monetary policy and the Federal Reserve, we basically legislated out recessions. But the problem with that is, is there are benefits that come with recessions. One of the benefits of recessions is lower prices, right? So the saver who doesn't get killed because he's investing responsibly and he's putting money aside can take advantage of recessions and buy things low. But if you look at the great financial crisis as a perfect example, the average guy, right? A lot of people lost their homes. A lot of people were upside down in equity. And it took them probably on average until about seven to 10 years clear of the great financial crisis to where they got to the point where they were financially healthy again to purchase a home, right? If you have a foreclosure, it takes you at least seven years to recover from that to where you'll qualify for a mortgage again. Okay, well, then you extend 0% interest rates to BlackRock and all their ilk and Wall Street. So while the average guy is waiting for his balance sheet to heal from the recession, and by the time he's ready to financially healthy again to step in and buy another home, because of the monetary policy that those people have enacted, the price of the house that he got foreclosed on is now up 50% from where he got foreclosed on, right? So it, it's, you're exactly right. It, it is making them a If you give these guys access to unlimited amounts of capital at 0%, when the average working guy is getting smoked, how is that not a, you know, then they sit around and go, we've got to address the wealth and equality issue. And I go, address the equality issue? You are the wealth in a right? um, You put, I mean, go back and look at the great financial crisis, right? You had all these people, even ones that were responsible, get buried in negative equity. They don't get a bit of help. And yet taxpayers are bailing out the banks to the tune of a trillion dollars, right? And, and then extending them unlimited lines of credit at 0%. I mean, it's just, it's madness. And they go, yeah, we, I, then I heard Jerome Powell get an interview and he goes, well, the Fed doesn't have anything to do with wealth inequality. That's got to be dealt with on a legislative basis. And I sat back in my chair and looked at him and went, you've got to be kidding me, right? The, the, Fed, the, the word Fed is synonymous with wealth inequality. They've, you know, it, it's like amazing, right, Todd? They sit there and they look at it and they go, oh, yeah, we've got record wealth inequality. And I go, do you know what else you've done in the last 15 years? You've engaged in the most radical monetary policy in history. You don't see a correlation there. And that gets to your point of these people are not stupid. No, Choose this day day whom you will serve. They chose. They've made a choice and their choice is far different than ours. Yeah, exactly. And and the very fact that they're seeking virtue, seeking to signal virtue means they're trying to cover something up. You know, it's just like Bill Gates. And and we'll talk about this next week, you guys. Bill Gates' company, uh, BioMilk. He saw, oh my goodness. He's paying for people to run articles pretending that breastfeeding is bad for people, bad for kids. Same way he did with the COVID. It's unbelievably evil. So there, look, there's things you can do. And Zach and I are going to talk about things we can do because when your opponent is, is so predictably evil, well, then we should be able to act. And, and I believe that the Bible even gives us advice on how to deal with finances. And we'll talk about that. Oh, well, I don't believe it does. It does. We'll talk about that with Zach Abraham. Um, but listen, one of the things you can do right now is please, 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 please make sure you're not paying more for your mortgage than you need to. Please do this. 
Look, guys, it very every so often I feel like I do these um, announcements for our partners at American Financing, and I, I make them too long because I think I could just be really just say this so simply. They will for free with absolutely no, no commitment from you. They'll investigate your current mortgage. They'll look at it in detail. Okay. But they won't just look at your mortgage. They'll look at your equity. They'll take your entire finance, financial position into account. They'll look at all of this. So what you can do is get with them because these days it couldn't be more important that you save more and spend less. It just couldn't be. You got to protect your finances, your investment. That's protecting your families. The Lord says we're to protect our families' finances, to care for our families. So you, you got to want to be able to come out ahead. So the easy way to do this, it's no obligation. Uh, people at American Financing will review your mortgage, no cost, no commitment, the entire financial picture. And understand this, because I can hear people thinking, oh, sure, because then they'll sell me. No. No, they've already told friends of mine, two of my friends, no, you're sitting pretty. We can't help you because you've done a good job in your mortgage. So we can't help you. But if they can help you, here's the deal. They can get a refinance, even a cash out refinance done as little as 10 days, guys. They're saving people up to a thousand bucks a month. That There's no way to look at that as not huge money. Thousand bucks a month. And it starts with the phone call. It's so simple. Call American Financing at 866 866- 887-2275. That's 866-887-2275. Or just visit them at AmericanFinancing.net. Yeah, you can do, you can apply online. And they're interested in you as a human being. They'll look at the full picture. And so many of my friends are already down the road with refinances with these guys. And we're going to talk about home purchases next week because it's it's the time. It's, it's actually coming back in some places. 866-887-2275, AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS, 182334NMLSConsumeraccess.org. Zach Abraham is with me, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management. Zach, when uh, you play poker and you spot someone as uh, someone who likes to bluff, you know exactly what you need to do, right? You know, you, you can put them on tilt. You you see how they're playing. They become very, very predictable. Um, in wrestling, there was this guy had to wrestle who was who appeared to be a really bad, you know, really, really bad guy and, and like to try to put the pain on people. And then my coach pointed out, he goes, Todd, he uses the same move every time. Like there's, this guy has nothing but he, he likes to try to beat people up. And I was a young kid. And when he taught me that, he goes, look, if you counter this one move, you win, period. That's it. You win. So I want us to turn the corner into the, the good cheer portion of this, because it seems to me these guys are very predictable. So shouldn't we be able to, to act in kind being that they're so predictable? Yeah. I mean, it, they're as predictable as a sunrise, right? I mean, they're going to keep, I mean, and, and if, and if you haven't gleaned that from watching the last 12, 15 years, yeah. especially coming to COVID, right? I mean, it, it's one of the reasons that I laugh. I get into conversations with people all the time about you and they're like, you know, Todd has been so right about uh, COVID and all the different things. Right. And, um, I, and, and I agree 100%. Um, and, but the reason that you were right is not because you're a fortune teller. It's because you understand the formula these people work off and it becomes very predictable, which is 
you know, whatever is the easiest path out, whatever is the easiest to sell politically that also aligns with their powerful friends, that's what they're going to do. And when you understand that, it becomes very easy to, to, you know, do a workaround. And, and, and again, I'm guys, I've gotten things wrong too. You know, every investment we pick is not a winner, but it's why going into this, and I think you and I have talked about this going into this year and for much of the last year and a half on our show, we've been pounding the table saying, get out of tech or short tech and get long commodities, especially energy. And everybody's like, what an incredible call. How did you know that? And I go, it really was an incredible call. It's just understanding what these people are going to do, what the, what the ramifications of their actions are and aligning accordingly. And, you know, look, it's not going to be a smooth ride. Um, it's just not the way these things work. But if you want to talk about what do we do, um, you know, I, we talk about it all the time at Bulwark, which is guys, we're going to invest according to what we see as inevitabilities, right? And what we mean by that is if you look at what these people are doing, it's not going to feel fun every single day. There's going to be ups and downs to it, but over the next five to 10 years, you absolutely must have real assets and natural resources as a part of your portfolio. Why? Because that's something you can do because I want to get us to things we can do. And and whether that's working with Bulwark Capital Management, which everybody knows I recommend, um, or people try to go it on their own and, and, and many people can do that. Zach, you admit that on your radio show, you're, you're a teacher, you're a professor at heart, I think. So talking about things we can do, be of good cheer. I heard you say, buy things God made. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that you hit on something right there, which is, yeah, we do. I, I had somebody laugh the other day because they were, uh, we don't do it a lot because for regulatory issues, Todd, but, um, every once in a while I'll mention something or an investment opportunity I see on the show. And people are like, why are you giving away your, you know, why are you giving away your stuff? Don't you want those people to call you? And I just laugh and I go, listen, I'm a big believer of deliver value to people right? Help people out, give them the truth and the business side of, side of it will take care of itself. So maybe in the short run, you know, enabling people to get some of our stock picks and some of our performance may not be best for business over the next 30 days, but I just, I'm a firm believer that it's, you know, it's the right way to do things. Um, but, but as far as what we can do, like I said, it's yes, investing in things that God has made, understanding the, the thing that the thing that got me so ginned up and so excited and still so excited, particularly about energy, is energy really is the bullseye in this whole situation, right? Because it, it is, if you want to get down to, I think, the thing that is most impacted by the lunacy we see around us, whether it's monetary policy, uh, pumping money, conjuring money, to use your terms, artificially low interest rates, and then this environmental insanity, Right, uh, I, ground zero for that is an energy, and it's going to result in substantially higher energy prices. And people are like, "Oh yeah, like one hundred and fifteen dollar oil." No, the question I get all the time is, "Well, it's too late though, right? Oil has already bounced." And I go, "Guys, it's not even close to too late. We're in between inning number one and inning number two on this thing, <laughs> right?" Um, it, I mean, Todd, you know it. I mean, go listen out there. Go listen on CNBC. Go listen to everybody. The question on everybody's mind is when to buy the dip in tech, right? Nobody's still looking at what's really happening. 
And it's really incredible to me, right? You're looking at the greatest inflation in 40 years and nobody's even blinking. Um, so, you know, you may not align with politics and I don't like a lot of politics, but don't be a fool and disregard what the man's doing. What has he been purchasing over the last year and a half? Energy companies. Why? It's not because he's dumb, right? It's because they're dirt cheap and he sees the exact same nonsense going on that we do. He's just, he's a lot closer aligned to the power apparatus. So he's going to tell the company line, but it's the classic example of don't listen to what I say, listen to what I do and look at what Warren's doing. So, you know, I just look at people and I go, now, does that say just go out and start listening to people about this oil stock or that? No, I mean, there's nuance involved. You need to understand what you're buying. Um, you know, you need to understand what you're holding. You also need to understand that it's not going to be a straight line. It's not going to go straight up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the, again, getting back to how you read COVID, how we knew that, you know, we were making the call to short tech to long energy. Um, it, you just sit back and look at the chess pieces and this stuff is not, it, it, it's not, not obvious, right? If you know what you're looking at. And also I think that the Lord has given us a reminder that, that apart from him, we can do nothing. So I think we're going to be in an era where those sorts of investments, um, in other words, buying what the Lord has made, uh, are even more important. Now that's just me and I don't have Zach's knowledge, but I want to explain that from a from a spiritual perspective here in a second, because something occurred to me about Silicon Valley, Jack, uh, Zach, that I, I want to talk about in a second here. We'll continue with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management. Um, and look, my friends at Allen's Artisan Soaps, they're doing something that is so vital. I want I want you guys to hear this this email um, that, that came to me. And I know this, I know this person is not alone, um, in, in all of this. It's from Julie, dear Todd, we received our Herman subscription pack for Allen's artisan soaps. And I want to tell you a brief story. We have three children, all of whom are special needs. I speak specifically about my youngest boy, Tyler, who is very high up on the autism spectrum. When he saw the picture of Alan that you had represented on social media and saw that Alan runs a soap company, he indicated to me he wanted to have the soap. When the soap arrived and he saw Alan's name, he became so excited. He became cheerful. He, like Alan, is nonverbal, but he can read. And he saw the name of a boy who he knows also has autism and it just thrilled him. Now I'll tell you because I pay very close attention to your words. We in fact tried the soap wondering if it would be good and it's fantastic. I can't tell you how relieved I am because it became very clear that our kids weren't going to have any other soap, but Alan's artisan soaps, so I, like you, have developed my own special favorite soap. It is not the one that you would choose. After all, I'm female and you're male. And to me, that still means something. It's vanilla lime. I'd ask in the note that you would remind me what your wife's favorite soap is. Uh, by the way, Julie, it's lavender rosemary. Because I do feel like we're part of a family. Guys, it is about the soap. It is about the quality. It is about the fact that there are three 
generations of knowledge behind these small batch soaps. They're all made in America. It is about the quality. I only want you to buy the soap because of the quality. I want you to try it rather. I only want you to continue to buy it if you love the soap. The story that Julie shares with us is so important because the mission of Allen's Artisan Soaps transcends business and gets into what business is supposed to be from a godly perspective. Honorable business done for honorable reasons. It's a template. If Allen's Artisan Soaps can earn money with this, if they can do this without automating, if they can do this without robots, well, then other companies can. Go to Allen's Soaps, A-L-A-N-S, soaps.com slash Todd. Allen's soaps.com slash Todd. You get the Herminator sub, it's 10% off forever. You get uh, six bars of soap, a soap rack, soap pouch, and a fluff. 10% off at Allen's Artisan Soaps. Man, Zach, I love, I love getting emails like that. I know you get emails as a business guy, right? That you get emails. I've seen some of them. People are so grateful for what you've done at Bulwark Capital Management. But, um, you know, being able to participate in building a company like Allen's Artisan Soaps, it means so much to me, man. Hey, well, it's funny because uh, we use them now for all of our soaps. Yeah. And we've also... We've also switched to all bone frog coffee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, Hey, we're in for a penny in for a pound, pal. And um, I will say this, that um, it's not just a good cause. This stuff is really good. The, the <laughs> so, all the products. Yeah. So, yeah. The soap, even the girls in the office were like, what is this new soap? <laughs> yes. This is, that's the Allen's artisan, man. So we're, no, we're doing, we're doing, uh, we're, we're jumping in there too. And, and like you said, uh, it's, especially when it's a superior product. I mean, who doesn't want to buy from, from an outfit like that? Right. And, and I, so I think it's so important now today, Todd too, is, is, and I'm not plugging myself here. I think it's so important now today as business people, but especially as Christians to, to support businesses that we see run with integrity and that are supporting the right things. And, and, you know, I tell our clients that all the time, guys, one of the biggest powers you have is voting with your pockets and voting with your wallet. And, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm giving them a plug now too, but I love this stuff. You know, get in there and sign up. You're, you're cheating yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I appreciate you supporting, uh, our fellow partners and Zach, you know, this occurred to me when I was at this, this meeting this weekend and look, I, I, there's a reason I love doing business in the Valley. Okay. And I'll tell you because it's a land of ideas, uh, because in many ways, it's still a meritocracy. It really, it really doesn't matter um, where you come from. You can get in the door if you work hard, you've got a great idea. Now, you can't be a member of the team. You're never going to be, you know, you, I asked my friend John once, hey, if I made a bunch of money, you know, as a CEO of a, of a company, could I then go be like a, a partner in one of these venture firms? And he laughed. He goes, oh, no, no. It's like, wow, why? He goes, well, because you know what it's like to be poor. You can't they can't have you on the board. You could be a limited partner. Sure. You could start your own fund, but no, no. If you know what it's like to be poor, you can never be on a board down here. Um, but I love the ideas. I love that, that this discussion at this guy's house was a salon and it was, it was, it was so nice, but here's the thing that occurred to me later. It's so difficult to be so wealthy and not be of the world because it feels like you can buy the world. 
And I took that thought, then I extended this um, into something else, which is people in, in the creation economy of creating fake things. And this guy, by the way, didn't create anything fake. What he created is actually brick and mortar and very, very real. But it's surrounded by people who create fake things. They create video games and they create Wi-Fi networks. And, and I believe that they can look at this and say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God, I create everything I build. Right. And, and we do it from scratch. And I can see like at the Googleplex. Oh, you know what, God, we're, we're creating a world. We're creating a metaverse or, you know, Zuck, Zuckerberg. Yeah, I'm creating the metaverse, God. And my metaverse is going to be better because people can choose their own skin. They wouldn't even need hormones and surgery. They can pretend to be a dinosaur in, in my metaverse. So my metaverse is going to be real. Uh, it's going to be better than yours, God. And we hear the guys from the World Economic Forum. We're going to have intelligent design, but real intelligent design, not from some fake elf in the sky, he says, as he stands in front of a picture of the Christ, of, of Jesus Christ, uh, Lord and Savior. Here's what occurred to me. You know what? They, they, they also make nothing. Because you know what I'd, I'd like to see God do is go to them and say, okay, try it without math. <laughs> try it. Try it. Without oil. Well, try it without timber. Right, right, right. But even just, even if it's just code and uh, uh, your point's better than mine, but God coming in, you know, that math thing you use that, that binary, I made that. Yeah, the, yeah. the actual, the actual existence of math I made. Oh, and by the way, try it without the fingers I gave you. Oh, and Hey, while we're at it, try it without the brain I gave you now, now try creating something It goes back to the lunacy of believing everything came from nothing. But you're exactly right that even, okay, so this is even better news. We can have even more good solace in this. So those guys who contend to be gods themselves, they can't exist. Their businesses can't run without the energy that God created, or as you just said, the trees or, or even, you know, the, the, the elements that God created, they're standing, they're standing firmly on the world God created. And they think they're floating on, on clouds of ether. Yeah, no, it, it, it's while you were saying that, I wrote down something that we talk about at, at Bulwark all the time. And as a matter of fact, it's always funny. I feel like how, uh, how w when there's a message or there's something prescient that God wants me to hear, it, it, he's never settled about it. It always comes up multiple times in a very short period of time. And I'm sure you've recognized that too, where you're like, you hear the same thing oh, like three or four times over the course of 48 hours. And I'm, I always pick, peaks my ear and I go, okay, God, all right, I'm listening. Right. Um, but that's one of the reasons that we talk about arrogance and stupidity. I, I meet people all the time and they're surprised. They're like, you, you know, you're, you're a humble guy. Um, and I hate even saying that because <laughs> there's kind of arrogance in saying that. Yeah. But, but my answer is always, if you want to do what I do effectively, you have to be because you have to understand that even the victories, they were delivered to you by God. Uh, you're not as smart as you think you are. And humility and having a level head is really the only thing that we can do. It's the only thing that we can control. And, I mean, there's other, you know, you know what I'm saying. And, and this arrogance of these people is, it's ridiculous. But I think that you're right to point it out with money and, and about money and being wealthy and being a god of your own universe and a master of your own, your own universe. And I was having a conversation with one of my employees actually last night about the same topic. We're giving to a charity. Uh, the employees are bored to put together money and we're giving it to a charity. And um, uh, this particular employee is a great man of God. 
um, has been for a, a very long time. He's been an ordained pastor. Um, it, it just, just a great integrity. And he and I were just having a very honest conversation. And he, he's now, you know, he's, he's more financially successful than he's ever been. Um, and he said, you know, Zach, quite honestly, he goes, I've really been, uh, I've really been disappointed or I've really been surprised of how I've made more money. Uh, it's been more difficult to write checks. You know, it's been more difficult to give it away. And, 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 and I said to him, I go, uh, I go, don't, don't be, I go, that's the trap. That's the trap. When we have nothing and we're totally relying on God, we tend to live with our hands wide open, right? We need to rely on God every single day. Then all of a sudden we're starting to give, we're starting to give the resource and that money or that wealth starts stacking up and we start believing the hype, not because we're bad, but because we're humans. And I, I think it's one of the reasons that God gave us so many commandments. Feed my sheep. Look out for the widow and the orphans. It's not just the right thing to do, but it's also something that I think that puts wealth and money in the right place, which is it is a tool to further the kingdom of God and to take care of our families. If you view it as anything more than that, if it's your security blanket, and you and I both know, you know, a lot of the listeners of your program have become clients. I know these people well. They're people that are salt of the earth. That being said, there are believers among us who they trust God, but they're also trusting their bank account. And I know this sounds funny coming from a guy that handles investments, but I always think about how do we avoid being people like that? And one of the simple answers, well, obviously staying on our, staying on our knees and, and staying tied to God and, and, and living a, um, a morality and Christ-focused life is, is, is key. But one of, the big, one of the best ways to keep you humble and, and, and keep you where you need to be is to give it away. Right to, to to take care of the widows and orphans, to give to the needy, because it just helps you. It just helps you keep that perspective that everything I have, you have given me. Period. Right. The fact that I can get up and walk out of this room, there are people that that have that don't have that ability, or that ability has been taken away from them. So literally, everything I have, I owe to you. It's all yours in the first place. And when people quit believing that, with the Silicon Valley syndrome, as we call it, is the masters of the universe. They invented it. No, you didn't. You just rearranged something. Exactly. Thought it already. Right. right. Everything is rearranging. It's it's. Oh well. I um. Yeah. I invented this molecule. No, you didn't. You you rearranged it. Or, or uh, we invented this mRNA injection. No, you 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 invented the use of the injection, but mRNA you didn't invent. And but a gene splice. Yeah, yeah. You you know you blended some colors, so you invented a, a paint mix. I got this note, Zach, from a listener named Rob. Uh, he, guys, when you write to me, please don't call me Mr. Herman. Um, just call me Todd. Hi, Mr. Herman. I've been a longtime listener since around 2015. I love your perspective. I'm writing this to express my extreme gratitude for episode 131. I think he's referring to hour two, where we talked about um, how to live within a godless society. Great hope in a godless society, I think, is, is the episode um, he's mentioning here. Um, I just listened to it and the scripture that you read really hit home this morning on my way to work. I, I've been somewhat detached from God and religion and this episode was like a calling card or a wake up call for me to get right with God. Thank you so much for what you're doing. God bless you, Rob Friedman. So Zach, the old Todd would fall into a big trap here and go, man, the show rocks. And so I want to respond to my brother Rob and say, no, the Lord did that. I am a clay pot. And the fact that the Lord spoke to you through me, um, please let's give glory to God in this. But this is where this circles back to this great financial news to me, Zach, and see if you agree with this. 
um, the, 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 the masters of the universe, they're, they're predictable. They want, they want control. Bill Gates wants to con women into stopping breastfeeding. Bill Gates wants to use his power to, to force us to eat his fake meat. Uh, we know all this. And meanwhile, the earth, until the Lord decides otherwise, the earth will exist. Meanwhile, until the Lord decides otherwise, the rain will fall. Meanwhile, until the Lord decides otherwise, there will be fish in the ocean. And, and we can try to overfish it and, and et cetera. And, and God can control all of this. That the things that he sat before us on the, the, the table that is the earth, right, will, will still exist until the Lord decides they no longer exist. He can make manna fall from heaven, and he does, and we just don't recognize it anymore. So to me, the solace in all this is we may return, Zach, and this is me pretending to be a financial prognosticator. We may have such a fall that the, 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 the physical things, the actual ability to grow food, the actual land we own, that it might become once again, so very valued, but only in my mind, Zach, if we remember that we're stewards and that the Lord provided that for us because he loves us. Can you imagine those things converging and how that could change society and how that could save souls? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, it and it's one of the things that, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And, and one of the things that I glean from that and, and one of the purposes that we think about every single day of doing what we do for a living is not only is our job to protect wealth, but the vast majority of our clients are believers. And one of the big advantages we see to investing the way that we currently are and also trying with God's grace every single day and wisdom and insight, his wisdom and insight, not ours, um, is that I think that one of the real purposes that we talk about is, you know, I think you and I are in full agreement. There are hard times there. And I don't think there's any way to, to phrase it. I, I don't think there's any way to frame it any differently. Um, but what, a, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to be wise, to be disciplined. And in doing that, I think that we will have the unique capability to be able to help a lot of people in these hard times, to be a light in a dark world. Yeah. And I, I, I don't say that, I don't say that arrogantly. I say it humbly in the sense that, um, you know, every, again, I just, man, I've, I, I, God has been so good to me. Um, that whenever I find myself starting to believe some of the hype or whatever, I, I just, well, usually God pulls me back or yanks my chain and gets my attention some other way. But why are you here? Why have I given you any modicum or, or measure of success? It is to further my kingdom and to love my people, period. And, and um, I think that there is a great opportunity, not just on the investment side, but also what, that, what proper and wise and sound investing will be able to do for, for us and those around us um, in the coming times of trouble. And, and um, I, you know, it's pretty clear cut. I, I, just, you know, I was just reading a story before I got on here about this high-flying hedge fund manager that everybody was worshiping about a year ago. And he's down 50% year to date. And um, hmm. if you want to believe the hype, if you want to be a master of the universe, enjoy it while it lasts, A, because it never does. Remember, remember Wall Street? Remember the movie Wall Street, the original oh, yeah. one? Yep. Where the old salty trader looks at Bud and he says, Bud, enjoy it while it lasts, because it never does. 
right? Nobody stays on a hot streak. And if you think it's you and you think you're a master of the universe and you think you've got it under control, just, just wait, just wait. You don't. And I, you know, it's, it's every, the bill's going to come due. And if you want to live that life, um, rather than, you know, daily and regularly humbling yourself and realigning with God, it's the only way to see. I was, we, we had a Bible study this morning my men's group did, and we were reading Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and uh, different passages from both and listening to Solomon talk about how it's all vanity and vexation. Yeah. And he, he's right. We just lie to ourselves. We're born into it. Things break our way. And then we believe the hype and we forget who set the table. And, um, you know, I, I, so, so he knew some things. I, yeah. I, I will wrap this up by saying it this way that, that I, in the first hour talked about, and it's dangerous to put ourselves in the mind of God. It's much better to rely on the word of God, but he shows us his personality. He so often has left people to their own devices and has said, okay, well, you don't need me. You got it worked out. So go handle it. Oh, you want Kings? Sure. I'll give you Kings. Right. Here's the King. Enjoy that. And Oh, your first King of Israel, Saul, man, he's tall and good looking and stupid as a box of hair, but okay. Um, my Kings don't need to be special. They, they don't need to be good looking. Um, King David, right, etc. But I can see, you know, the, the the masters of the universe in Silicon Valley going, you know what? And they're talking about this now, the World Economic Forum. We're going to lift ourselves out of the physical, out of the realm of the physical, and we're going to put our intelligence and our in our and our beings into code, and we're going to store ourselves on computer devices, and and in that way, we will be immortal. We will live forever. We'll transport our our, um, the, the essence of us into machines and we'll continue to live and, and be forever because we'll be in machine bodies. I, I truly do want to be there the day the Lord Jesus comes in glory and I, and I will be, and we all will be. And I want to see what happens when there's the robots with their brains stored in protoplasm or their, their essence stored in, you know, not in uh, stored in, um, a quantum physics uh, processor in a robot mind and a robot body. I want to see what they do when they look up and they see the, the, the Lord of the universe coming this time to judge. And that somehow I just see this mass all of a sudden blue screening and computers trying to hit control alt delete on their chest. This can't be right. This isn't in the code, right? This isn't, we didn't write this into the program. No, you didn't, but the Lord God did. So man, it's always a joy to talk with you and, and to be of good cheer as, as the Bible reminds us to be of good cheer. We're going to face troubles. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've, I've overcome the world. Part of John 16, 33. I appreciate you, my brother. Go with God's good grace, Zach. Hey, you too. God bless you and all the listeners. Always fun to be back and, and we'll look forward to next week. All right, this is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, be prayerful. And yes, let's be on our knees in gratitude for the Lord God providing everything that we need. 